Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Dan Schultz, and this is episode 99 of the Basketball Dan podcast. I think this might be the quickest turnaround I've had between podcasts. I did one, I want to say it was on Thursday or Friday, and uh, thought it was a good time. I have a little uh, bit of a break in work right now, and let's face it, with the NBA Finals going on and Doc Rivers going to the Sixers and all that, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of topics to talk about right now. So I'll start off by, by talking about last night's game. Well, I, I watched all of it. Uh, game three of the NBA Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and Miami Heat. The Lakers are up two to nothing so far. Um, not surprising at all considering how much talent is on that Lakers team. Well, they were up two to nothing and then the, the Heat won last night. So it's 2-1, but... It's not surprising right now, given how much talent the Lakers have compared to the Heat, who are a very scrappy underdog kind of team. But let's face it, they they lost Goran Dragic, they lost Bam Adebayo. Uh, there's rumors that Adebayo will be back for Game 4. We'll have to see Dragic. I'll be surprised if he comes back. I mean, whenever you tear a tendon in your foot, it's going to be tough to uh, to play through that. We'll, we'll just have to see. But... I was I was fully expecting the Lakers to win last night. I just no disrespect to the Heat. It was just the gap in talent when you lose a point guard like Dragic, who's very crafty and very good at, at orchestrating the offense, and then Adebayo, an all-star who's been very underrated throughout the entire season, I felt. It's gonna to be tough to overcome that. But the Heat showed a lot of resiliency. I mean, if any game epitomize what that Heat team is all about. It was that one last night. And my favorite interaction happened between Jimmy Butler and LeBron James. LeBron, at the end of the first quarter, told Jimmy Butler, you're in trouble. And Jimmy kind of stood up to him and was kind of like, what did, what did you say? And then when the Heat were about to win, Jimmy said the same thing back at LeBron, told him that you're in trouble. That's funny that LeBron said that, by the way. It's like, yeah, okay, well, I wish I had Anthony Davis on my team and Kyle Kuzma and uh, all these three-point shooters around me. It's like it's the first time LeBron has had a superstar like Anthony Davis where he can just, like, give it, give him the keys to the car and let him kind of take over. But I don't know. It's just like... I, I get the competitive mindset and everything, but it's like LeBron saying that to Jimmy Butler, you're in trouble or whatever, and then to get like it thrown right back in his face, it's just really, really funny. And I don't even mean to come across as a LeBron hater. I'm more of a, again, I can't stand the Lakers just because um, I grew up watching uh, Spurs-Lakers games and, you know, being a Spurs fan, they had a lot of rival, you know, they had a lot of... Uh, huge games between them in the playoffs and regular season and all that stuff. I don't even hate LeBron that much. It's just like, but, but stuff like that doesn't make me like him. You throw him, and then you throw in the fact that he walked off the court with 10 seconds left. You know, he's the first to want to give an interview like after the game and uh, act like the total sportsman and everything, but then to do something like that, um, it, it's not a good look. And I actually got into this argument last night, speaking of that, game and I've I've had this argument before and maybe I don't know maybe I'm being too harsh I, I would love to hear feedback on this but my argument has always been when people ask me like why why isn't LeBron like 
the best player of all time. Why don't you see him as the best player of all time? What's one thing, like, what's the main difference between him and, say, Michael Jordan, who's widely considered still the greatest player of all time? And my answer has always been killer instinct and clutch situations. That's not to say that LeBron has never made a clutch shot before. He has. He's made, he's made a number of clutch shots throughout his career. But I, I just never have felt like they've come at the same stages that Jordan made those clutch shots, you know? What's the number one highlight, highlight they show of LeBron in his career? It's the chase down block on Andre Iguodala, right? And then what's the biggest, like, what's the highlight they show of, like, a clutch shot he's made? For me, it's that clip when he hits that miracle three against the Orlando Magic in 2009, that, like, bomb at the buzzer. And the Cavs still lost that series. When I think of Michael Jordan and, and his clutch shots, I think of, I mean, Michael Jordan stripping Carl Malone, that's an iconic defensive moment. In the 1998 finals, Michael Jordan stripping Carl Malone, I mean, that's an iconic moment uh, comparable to LeBron's block on Iguodala, if you think about it. And then Jordan comes right down and drains the title-clinching shot on Byron Russell. I also think of when Jordan hit the game-winning shot over Craig Elo in Cleveland to win that series. When I think of LeBron and I think, like, his performance down the clutch, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, can, I just can never I, – I do not see Jordan – having the 2011 NBA Finals that LeBron did, where he got outscored by Jason Terry and played really, really poorly. And everyone wants to go, oh, that was nine years ago. Come on, that was forever ago. He's grown. Yeah, but that still happened. And I didn't see that happen with Jordan. You know, people like to say, oh, yeah, but he lost to the Pistons and was nothing without Scottie Pippen and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay. But he hasn't hopped – Jordan didn't hop around teams like LeBron did and handpick what superstars he wanted to play with. He rolled with his guys. He worked on making Scottie Pippen a better player, and vice versa. I mean, they both had an equal hand in, in complimenting one another. I'm not saying they didn't, but I don't know. I just, I've always thought that Jordan just had more mental fortitude than LeBron. And as a Spurs fan, I remember LeBron, and everyone wants to call me a homer and bias and all that, but watch the tape. Go on YouTube and watch the tape. It's there. In that second half of the 2013 NBA Finals, Game 6, the infamous Ray Allen three-pointer game, LeBron falls apart down the stretch. He is missing shots. He is turning the ball over. He is in complete panic. And he missed that three right before Bosch got the offensive rebound and kicked it out to Ray Allen for three. You know, I just – I. long story short, I just do not trust his killer instinct. And it showed up again last night. He was missing shots down the stretch again. I know the game was basically out of hand, but I just, on the offensive end, in tight games, in big stages, overall, I'm not saying it's never happened, but I've just, I don't think he's been as consistent in that regard when you compare him to Michael Jordan. And until he shows me otherwise, maybe he shows me in these finals, I don't know. You know, we're three games in. Um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't trust his killer instinct. I don't trust him. Uh, as much as I should, if he's the all-time best player, you know, the best player of all time, with the ball in his hands on on a last-second shot, you know, I don't know. That's just always how I felt. It's not me being a LeBron hater. I've I've grown up. I've grown up actually a LeBron fan. But the more this debate has raged on between him and Michael Jordan, uh, the more I just 
I side on Jordan's side. And like I said, the, the number one defining reason being that I just do not trust LeBron in the clutch as much as I do Michael Jordan. Overall, again, not saying LeBron hasn't hit clutch shots. I'm All I'm arguing is that I think Jordan had a, had a better killer instinct and uh, hit bigger shots in bigger stages of his career. And LeBron, you know, has been in the league for 17 years. He's He's, he's had moments, but just not up to par with Jordan. So anyway, that was kind of a, a, a segue away from that. But I still have the uh, the Lakers winning this. I said in six, I'm going to stick to that. I'll be very interested to see if Bam Adebayo returns for this series. I hope he does so that the series can be competitive. I mean, it, it took everything the Heat had to win last night. So they need some... Fresh legs, so to speak. Even if Bam is still kind of battling an injury or whatever, he's at least a, a little rested because Butler played like 45 minutes last night. Uh, incredible game from him, by the way. And I just, I love his old school mentality. And it's it's really cool in the sense of living in the Philly area where people still love Jimmy Butler here. Everyone loves Jimmy Butler, even though he left the team. People can see like, oh yeah, you made the right decision. Like our team was not put together very well and didn't have the right mindset. So that's very interesting. Usually when a player leaves like, like Butler did, you know, going to another team, especially under like less than a season, people are understandably bitter to a degree, but with Philly, for whatever reason, you would think Philly would say, screw that guy given their fan base's reputation. But I've, the experiences I've encountered, like everyone wishes him well and, and still loves Jimmy Butler. And uh, I really like his old school uh, mentality and just how hard he plays. I mean, he was getting he, he was getting tackled. He was getting hit really hard uh, last night and just pummeled his way through it and, and got them a win. So I'm glad this series is a little more interesting. And, and as said, hopefully Bam Adebayo returns. Another big topic that a lot of people are talking about, um, and it was something that I discussed on on. My last podcast, I'm glad it came true. Very, very quickly, the Sixers acted uh, on getting Doc Rivers as their coach. Um, I mean, they were talking to him like hours after he got let go from or, or resigned or whatever you want to call it from the Los Angeles Clippers. And they acted very quickly and and hired him. And there's been a lot of people that have been like, oh, come on, Doc is overrated. Like, he's had so much talent over the years and only squeaked out one title and all that stuff. And, you know, he probably is overrated a little bit. But I don't know. To me, you can't you can't pin the majority of blowing the 3-1 lead this past year on him. That was Paul George. Paul George not showing up. I, I think that is the main reason why. Not saying Doc didn't deserve any blame for it. When you have a 3-1 lead, you should finish. But... Hey, if your superstar player that you traded five picks for isn't showing up consistently, you know, that's kind of a and, – and a lot of your offense is uh, geared around him taking charge and putting up good numbers, especially in, in those big stages. You know, what else, what else can you do? So overall, I like the hire. I do, again, I do agree he, he is a little overrated. He's probably – he probably should have won like two or three titles uh, by now, but – I don't know. I, I, at least he's a disciplinarian type. At least he's going to hold guys like Joel Embiid accountable in terms of fitness and keeping himself in shape. I, I can see him doing that. He's going to make Ben Simmons actually shoot threes instead of 
what Brett Brown did where he would like say something to the press about, yeah, we want him to, but it would never happen. I think those are two things you're going to see, Joel Embiid being in shape and Ben Simmons actually shooting threes on a consistent level. I'm more confident about the first one. The second one I'm, I'm confident about, but I, I hope that happens. I'm just glad the Sixers have a disciplinarian in the locker room that is actually going to give it to these young players and not let them kind of do whatever they want. Brett Brown wasn't really like that. And if they would have hired D'Antoni, uh, he wouldn't have been like that because I just I think D'Antoni just wants to be liked by his players and he just wants them to go have fun, take any kind of quick shot. There's just not a lot of structure or discipline going on. So I'm, I'm very happy that the, the Sixers hired Doc Rivers. They still have a lot of work to do. I mean, hiring Doc doesn't fix all their problems at all. They still got to figure out how to incorporate Al Horford or how to trade him. If Tobias Harris, like Tobias Harris, are you going to play him at the four? Are you going to play him at the three in this small ball era of basketball? Um, they still have a lot of issues. So not all of it falls on, on Doc's plate, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to figure that out lineup wise, how to uh, get the most out of these players. But I think they're, I think they're in better hands. I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, if you told me that we would have uh, upgraded from Brett Brown to Doc Rivers next year, I'd be happy with that. And I think that's a good way to, to look at it. So, uh, so yeah, anyway, exciting time for the Sixers. Hopefully they can make a few more trades in the offseason. Um, I haven't been impressed with Elton Bram in the front office so far. This is a good hire, but they still have a lot of work to do in terms of just overall makeup of this roster moving forward. So this is a good first step, but I still need to see more out of that front office before I have any kind of confidence in them moving forward. Uh, now with Doc Rivers off the market, I think Tyron Lue is going to be hired by the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. And I think D'Antoni would be a good fit for the Pelicans in the sense of the youth on that team and their, their high-tempo offense. I kind of talked about it on the, last, uh, on the last podcast, but I would not be shocked at all if those moves happen. If I'm the Indiana Pacers who are still looking for a coach, I look at Kenny Atkinson. I, again, like I've been saying on this podcast, I don't understand why he's not being thrown into these coaching rumors at all. I, I don't know what Kyrie and KD did to blackball him if they did at all. I don't I don't I just don't get it. I thought he did a very good job with the Nets. I don't understand why he hasn't been snatched up yet. So those are the three, four teams that are looking for coaches right now. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. And uh yeah, so anyway, I, I see Lou going to the Clippers, D and Tony to the Pelicans and the Pacers, I have no idea. As said, I would hire Kenny Atkinson. I would definitely give him a try. One last topic I want to talk about before I go. There's, uh, with the NBA season wrapping up now and rumors that it's not, that the new season isn't going to begin until January at the very earliest. There's now rumors that it's going to interfere with the Olympics in 2021 and some of the players probably aren't going to be able to play. Uh, which would be disappointing, but at this point, if it has to happen, it has to happen. The good thing about being uh, the United States of America in the sense of basketball and uh, having, what players you can pick from is, even with your B or C team, you're still going to be in the mix for getting the gold medal. So say the playoffs start for the NBA around the time the Olympics start, which if we start in January, that's probably what's going to happen. I think the right way to go about it would be to whatever teams that are eliminated early, you just really 
you pick the best players from those teams that are eliminated early and you form your team around that. Obviously, it's disappointing for Greg Popovich, who has waited so long to be the head coach of Team USA, and you could make the argument that he was that he's been hanging around with the Spurs because he wanted to, you know, keep himself sharp and ready for the Olympics because he takes so much. He, he, it's clear how how much it meant for him to be named coach, head coach of the uh, Team USA. So, I, I mean, that's just my theory, but. I think the way you go about it, as disappointing as it is time-wise, and you're going to miss out on having star players. But at the same time, it's like those star players could also sit out for the Olympics too because in this day and age, a lot of players are looking after their own health and sitting out. So, um, But I think the way you go about it, should that happen, is you pick the best players from the teams that um, are eliminated by that time, are whether it's they're not in playoff contention anymore or – um, you know, the season is already over and you can, you have a, a, a broader pool uh, to pick from. So anyway, that's all for today's episode. Uh, almost at episode 100 after three and a half years of doing this. It took me long enough, but uh, almost at triple digits, which is pretty cool. As said, I appreciate everyone listening. Would love to hear any feedback as always. Basketball Dan is available on Stitcher SoundCloud. Uh, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, if you can get a minute to rate and subscribe, uh, rate and review the show, as well as subscribe, I would really appreciate it. And um, I will hopefully be back soon uh, with another one of these. All right. Thank you. Bye.